Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Imagine a year where in the future it's inevitable that all civilizations will crumble no matter how hard they try and our death is inevitable by our own hand. Jesus fucking Christ, Zach, that was dark. What year was that? This is meant to be a comedy podcast. The year might be closer than you think, Sandro, but this year is 1956. Sorry, I forgot to put on my talking underwater helmet. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Oldie But A Goodie. Ooh, we're reviewing Forbidden Planet this week. But first, my name is Sandro. I'm going to introduce myself and I'm going to introduce my surroundings because I just discovered Atlantis. Oh my god, I was in a submarine for the past two weeks. The orphan is not currently in the picture. The orphan's up on land somewhere. No idea what the orphan is doing, but I'm walking around Atlantis. Oh, it's so marvellous. But it seems to be completely abandoned. There's not a human soul in sight here in Atlantis, which is a shame, Ah. because I need to find someone for my co-host to teleport himself into so we can do a podcast. There's me. I wish you would stop ignoring me. You know French people exist, right? Ah, the French scientists from last week. I don't... I don't... Look, you're old news. Honestly, just go back to the ship. Wow. Honestly. That's so fucking rude. All right, monkey. He seems to not like us anymore. We're old news. I'm going back to the ship. I've seen enough of this abandoned temple to mediocrity. Ah, walking around. It's completely abandoned. No human life inside. Wait, hang on. There's someone crouched in the middle of that giant oval over there. Hello? Oh, my. Who is that? They're calling out to me. Is there someone else here? Oh, they seem to be talking in English. What a weird coinkydink. I'm going to walk up to them. Boo-ba-doo-ba-doo. Hello. Hello there. One second. Hello, I'm Jared Leto. Oh, my God. Jared, let my immediate reaction is to try and punch you. Don't know why. Don't know why that's the case. Whoa, That's very aggressive, sir. I'm, uh, surprised to see anybody else down here. Jared Leto, but you're from the movie Suicide Squad. You're from you're from Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think that's what it's called. What are you doing? That's me here in Atlantis in the year nineteen fifty six. Well, I suppose uh, there's some explanations that are needed to be had, and uh, seeing as you're the only other person here, I'm not too worried about divulging my secrets. So. Okay. Uh, well, I'm actually Dr. Morbius. Have you seen Morbius? Unfortunately, I did watch Morbius, yes. Well, the reason that's so shit is to actually throw people off the scent. Oh. You see, we deliberately made that movie garbage because I am actually Dr. Morbius. You know what? You being you being a monster kind of vampire guy, that makes a lot of sense, actually. That explains a lot of your actions. Yes. And I've uh, been 
studying. Studying? One, the elongation of life. Mm. The manipulation of cells on another matter. Mm. The medical implications of vampire blood. But don't, don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Uh, more importantly, to get to the point of how I got here, well, I was studying the immortal Atlanteans. Right. You see, they uh, were a group of uh, what appeared to be scientists or influencers. Like, famous influencers. Right. But they were actually from the future. Oh. And apparently what happened is they, a group of them, built a city and teleported it back in time. Oh. But this caused some, they, they miscalculated somewhat, probably because they're influencers and all of them are dumb. Yes. But they miscalculated and caused a big time rift, which instantly sunk their city into the bottom of Atlantis and wiped out all of them. And then did they have to go and find it then? Did they teleport themselves back in time and then went to find them in like maybe a submarine? I don't know what I don't know what happened to them. All I know is I found this skull that looks awfully like Jake Paul's skull. Oh no. Anyway, I managed to replicate some of their uh, future science and teleported myself back here. Mm. And I've been trying to figure out a way to escape. You wouldn't happen to be a time traveler, would you? Um, one second, Jared Letter. Let me just have a look at uh, what movies you've got coming up, actually. I just want to, just like for no reason, it's not going to like help me decide whether or not I send you back. I'm not really having a look at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna be in, uh, Tron 3. Fuck, I really don't want you in Tron 3. Oh, sorry, Jared Letter. I've got nowhere for you to go back to the present. I don't know how to Damn. do that. Oh, no, you're not gonna be in Tron 3. Oh, no. Ah, that is very unfortunate. Um, but at least maybe you could help me get out of here. You had some sort of submersible that you got down here in? Yeah, I do. I came here in a submarine, yeah. Excellent. Well, I could at least join you in escaping here, although it won't help me get back to my time. Hmm. This is quite a conundrum. It is a conundrum. But yes, no, for sure. Let's go back onto my submersible. 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 Let's go over there right now. Ah, here we are in the submersible, the vehicle, my submarine. Now, Jared Leto, I helped you get out of Atlantis. I'm going to take you to the surface at the very least because I am a nice chap. But you've got to give me something in return. And that is, just let me do a podcast. Let Zach come into your mind or something, I guess. What? I don't know. What? Yeah. Oh, I was going to offer you, like, immortal vampire blood powers. But if you want that, sure. Oh. I, can, I can let some random person possess me. God damn it. Ah, oh, well. It's Zack in time. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Zacked all over them. Mm. Uh, hi, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. I feel famous all of a sudden. What's happening? I also feel like being a big piece of shit. Yeah, you're in the body of singer, songwriter, and actor Jared Leto, who is, you are correct, a big piece of shit. I would have rather been in The Frenchman. Why am I Jared Leto? Oh, God. Is that Atlantis outside? Yeah, that's Atlantis. What? What? Doesn't matter, Zach. We're going to talk about the movie Forbidden Planet. Oh, yeah, Forbidden Planet. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I guess I'll ignore Atlantis, the lost city. What? What is going on in these episodes lately? This is getting out of hand. It is getting a bit out of hand. I think maybe maybe after next week we take a two-week break and um, then kind of, like, really narrow down the rest of the plot for the year. Mm, and then mm, we, mm. Uh, we execute said plot. I mean, not plot, the adventure that I'm currently on. 
You're you're really whacking me out here. I feel like drinking your blood. I mean, <laughs> moving on with the podcast. Anyway, speaking of Morbin time, <laughs> speaking of bloody Morbin time, we're reviewing a sci-fi film called Forbidden Planet. We're going to do spoiler-free and then some non-spoilers, but the big spoiler is one of the main characters in this is called Dr. Morbius. <laughs> He's called Dr. Morbius, which is why we had this 10-minute bit about Dr. Morbius. <laughs> it's Morbin time. And he morbed all over the Forbidden Planet. Zach, what did you think of Forbidden Planet? Ah, it was pretty fun. Hmm, it was pretty dumb. But it was pretty fun. I had a great time. I was like, hey, this is some sci-fi bullshit. And I am down. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's like, it's like sci-fi bullshit, but it's also like, it's thought through it's got a cool premise. Yeah. It's got good science behind it. It's 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 very fun. It's a very classic sci-fi film with a lot of lot of nerd like yeah, as you said, they it's well thought out. Mm. They they've like thought of everything. Everything seems to work quite well in this universe. It's been well thought out. It's it's a it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it. It's a it's very uh, you know, old school Star Trek-y. And it was fun. I liked the story. I liked the visuals. I liked the plot. I liked the people. I liked the actors, mm. specifically one of them. Oh. But that's for other reasons other than him being in this film. Just in general, great actor. But it was really funny. I did not expect him to be in the film. You're talking about Mr. Leslie Nielsen, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. What? He. This is his first starring role. And it's wow. like, I don't know about you. I grew up watching Leslie Nielsen in like The Naked Gun in the comedies he did. Oh, yeah. It's always so weird when I go back and watch him, like, actually be a straight actor. I've only seen him in comedies. But you can, you can feel his sort of, like, I don't want to say jovialness, his lightheartedness, perhaps. Which serves him well uh, in this role of, like, a, a captain putting on a brave face. But it's it's funny because yeah, I expected you know the occasional joke in between his his lines. You know, I'm expecting him <laughs> yes. to go like, "Oh, there's a penny on the ground," you know, like yeah, yeah, like I'm expecting jokes, but it never it never quite comes, which was a odd feeling. But I think he did pretty well. Yeah, I think he's great in this. I think the whole cast is great, especially Walter Pigeon as Doctor Morbius. Yeah. <laughs> God, he's so good. He's so good in this. Holy shit. He was very Captain Nemo-y. I was thinking that the entire time. I was like, Zach's going to bring up Captain Nemo pretty early on in this episode, I reckon. Well, absolutely. <laughs> and if you watch that after we watched it, or before we watched it, or during we watching it, uh, that was a good movie. And uh, Captain Nemo was my favorite character. And so I have to say, maybe this time it is, in fact, morbing time. No, it's really good. His performance is great. Um, I don't think he's as good as Captain Nemo in 20,000 Leagues. No. But that's also just because in 20,000 Leagues, he's kind of like the anti-hero. Dr. Morbius mm. in this, he's just a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not really an anti-hero or anything. He's no hero. He's no villain. He's just like... He's one of the main characters. He's a he's a plot point more than anything. Yes. I really liked Anne Francis as well as his daughter Alta. Granted she gets nothing to do, 
Mm. But uh, she's very good. What, what do you mean? She's got she's got plenty to do, if you know what I'm saying. She's got a lot of options for doing, if you know what I'm saying. Uh... I'm saying she's the one female in this movie, the only female in this movie, yes. full of men in this movie, and they literally are constantly like, I've got a ship full of horny fucking men, and they want to fuck your daughter, Mr. Morbius. Better look out. They got to fucker and it's like oh oh no i like it's a classic thing that we saw i mean like we even saw it in hornblower like a month or two ago like that was a classic thing of a a bunch of men on a ship star trek and sci-fis of this kind pretty much are just hornblower but in space Mm. that's pretty much what they were uh so that's what we get again and it's got all the cliches this yeah the uh the sexual assault is rampant yes but um, I feel like that's the only part that doesn't hold up well, and it is only really like twenty-ish minutes of time. It's a lot. It's a long scene. It's a long bunch of scenes. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely the the bit that I liked the least was the whole like kissing scene. Spoiler: There's some kissing where they're like, "Oh, we're Earthmen. We're gonna show you how to bloody kiss." Yeah, let's go. Um, and I like how that just fails. Spoiler: It's just like she's like, "I don't get it. This was shit. You guys suck at kissing," <laughs> uh, which was funny. I do feel like this kind of is just a long episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I feel like saying that though kind of shits on the movie a little bit. Where I'm like, "This could have just been an episode of Star Trek," and, I, and I'm like, "No, if this was an episode of original Star Trek, this would have been in the top five episodes of original Star okay, Trek." Okay, because the plot okay. here is really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Obviously, no no spoilers, but I liked I liked the twist. I like you know. Oh yeah, because it is because it I, it was confusing me. I'm like, how are they going to explain it? But then they do, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good actually. I like I like the whole plot. I was expecting because mostly because of the poster, a different sort of outcome. Yeah, the poster of this is the robot holding the woman. Uh, she's barely clothed. It's a classic, like, Flash Gordon sort of poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what they were going for. Uh, so I thought it was going to be more robot-centric. Mm. Um, But uh, a little spoiler there, it's not as robot-centric. The robot's an important character, and I like the robot. I love Robbie the Robot. What an absolute bamf. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it when we get into spoilers, but I think uh, the robot's really good and an interesting point that I wanted to talk about. I really liked the robot, and the robot kind of leads into a whole bunch of fun facts about Forbidden Planet. Ooh. Um, Because this movie was the first to do so many things. Oh, wow. This was the first film to do a bunch of things. So, first of all, this is the first in-color, big-budget sci-fi movie. This is the first one. Oh, yeah? All the ones before this, low-budget, black and white, no one cared. This one... It cost about $2 million. It had some money behind it. It was in color. It was a big studio. It was like MGM. This is, yeah, like massive. Like really, really big, which is cool. That's that's really interesting that this was like really big thing. And it's L- Leslie Neeson's first role. Mm. And that's, that's interesting that this is the first big sci-fi production. And it was his first role as a lead and all these things. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the most important science fiction movie of all time, because... Wow, that is, that is big claims there, Sandra. 
Well, let me go through some other firsts. This is the first sci-fi movie to ever depict humans traveling faster than light. Ah, there mm-hmm. you go. Interesting. And it had a... It, oh, that's a spoiler. But yeah, no, that's very interesting. This is also the first movie to ever be set entirely on a different planet. Oh, yeah. there you go. I mean, it does It does like to reference Earth a lot, but yes, you are correct. It only takes place on a planet. Uh, Robbie the Robot was the first film robot to ever be not just a tin can with legs. <laughs> it's the first properly designed robot ever on screen, which, again, really impressive. That's interesting, because, yeah, I was wondering about the design of the robot itself. By not a tin can, what exactly do you mean? Because it, it, you know, it's still a robot. It's still made of metal, like, sort of things. I feel like robots before this were, like, it was just, like, a guy in, like, a box. Mm. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, they were very like, square. Yeah, whereas with this one, you've got all the intricate pieces mm. moving. I love his head. His head's definitely the most iconic bit. Like, the rest of him's just, like, a weird scuba suit. But, like, the head is very interesting and makes him look unique and cool. Where it's got, like, all this circuitry, almost a weird sort of face going on with, like, bits and bobs. It's pretty cool. A Robbie the Robot, also the first robot to ever have a distinct personality in a movie. Ah. Plus, there's a direct reference in Star Wars to Robbie the Robot where C-3PO is like, I speak all this many languages and blah, 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 blah. Which they do in this movie as well. So I was like, that's nice. Ah. Ah, there you go. That's where that that's from. That's awesome. And one other thing, uh, outside of how influential this movie was to science fiction, this movie was also pretty influential in the music side of things, because this is the first ever movie to have a score entirely made up of electronic music. Wow. Oh, that's cool. That's that I that I like. That I like. Cause yeah, I'm a big fan of that electronic music. I'm a big fan of those zips and zobs, as it were, you know? <laughs> I can now say that I watched a movie with all these firsts in it that I've already forgotten, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> this is incredibly important. Like, it's if you like sci-fi, this is kind of where it started, I wanna say. Like, to me, I could see Doctor Who taking things from this. I could see Star Trek taking away things. I could see Star Wars, you know. You could see this sort of influencing everything else and people building upon it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, definitely. And, like, even then, it's still kind of borrowing elements from, like, stuff like Hornblower, stuff like Flash Gordon, but it's doing it all a little bit differently because it does have that hard sci-fi plot that at this point, I think you would have only seen in, like, novels. It's it's interesting to see, like, because this movie is influenced by Hornblower mm. and that sort of thing where it's got this ship and it's going out and things, but it's also adding lots of things itself. And you see, it's like, it's a parody. You can see the creative process of movies, whereas this movie is a parody of this movie, which is a parody of this movie, which, like... Hornblower was probably influenced by a lot of the naval movies at the time around then. And it's like this movie influenced by that. And it's like the evolution. And now we have sci-fi today. And it's like, how does this relate to Hornblower? It's like, but it does. It's got the chain. It's got the chain leading back to that sort of charismatic captain. Yeah. 
we still have sci-fi today, which is all about charismatic captains. That's all that Star Trek Strange New World is about, the new Star Trek show. That's all it is. And also there's like a musical episode. I haven't <laughs> seen season two yet, but there's a musical episode in it for some reason. That's Pog. I need to, I need to watch it. That's good. It's, re- it's really good. Um, but yeah, like this, yeah. It's a damn big movie. I'll tell you that much. It's a very important piece of movie right here. And I'm glad that we both thought it was pretty good, aside from all the sexual assault. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, besides all the things terrible with it, it's a great movie. Yes. We should probably get into spoilers. We should get into spoilers. Oh, and one other quick uh, fun fact I had to mention was uh, this is directed by Fred M. Wilcox, who also directed Lassie Come Home. Just a fun fact. No! <laughs> just a, just a fun fact. No! <laughs> Can't escape Lassie. Good uh, lord. That's funny. This movie was banned in Spain because of all the miniskirts that <laughs> Anne Francis was wearing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Look, I'm not saying they heavily sexualized the one female character in the film, but boy, did they. There's a bunch of, like, references to this in, like, Firefly, uh, yeah. Mass Effect, especially. Oh, really? Doctor Who, obviously. Star Trek, obviously. Even Discworld has a Forbidden Planet reference in one of the books. I, I, I would expect Discworld, Discworld references to this would suit it quite well, I think. But people also consider, and I want to get your thoughts on this, people also consider this to be a loose adaptation to William Shakespeare's The Tempest, which I don't, uh, I don't, I don't see that. Yeah, because it, it, it is sort of a tragedy. Yeah. But, like, I'd say more influenced by it, not an adaptation. No. If it had been a bit more tragic... You know, the ending would have been a bit more tragic. Then I think I could see it. But uh, not tragic enough for my Shakespeare. Not tragic enough. Not, not, not tragic enough for me. Not enough sadness and feeling depressed at the end. <laughs> so uh, I would just say no for that one. You're going to say that's a no for that one. I didn't, I didn't feel bored to tears and want to leave school and go out and play... <laughs> After recess, so you know that's true. Not and Shakespeare enough. Shakespeare, you, <laughs> you're at a point where your Shakespeare experience is purely. I was bored in school. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what Shakespeare is to me. That, that's all of Shakespeare. I'm gonna say all of it, and uh, there's nothing good about any Shakespeare ever. Oh, I know for a fact that you that this is not your opinion at all. But I will continue <laughs> to go Damn with it because it. it is very funny. <laughs> Damn it, I can't fool you. I went and saw Shakespeare Aliens, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Damn it. <laughs> I was going to say it. more how, like, you are a big fan of a lot of Shakespeare plays, but I mean, that's a lot of Well, look, I, I like a good tragic tragedy, you know, where everyone just fucking dies. Yeah. It's a good time. Not for them. Or people viewing. Or young kids doing tests on Shakespeare. What? It's not a good time. Oh, you mean, yeah, the school thing. You brought it back. You, you brought it back around. <laughs> That's what you're doing there. Gotcha. Yeah, you see, it's a, it's actually a joke, Sandro. It's oh. all humor, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, gotcha. I know I may seem very unfunny, but I'm trying to make jokes here. I see what you're doing. Oh, uh, There's also some animation in this movie. Fun fact. Yeah. The animation is by Joshua Medor, who worked on Snow White, uh, Pinocchio, Fantasia, um... All the classic Disney stuff. There's some good special effects in this movie. It's, pr- it's pretty solid, yeah. Let's rate it and then go into spoilers, I reckon. Uh, I'm going to give it a goodie. Yeah. So uh, it's pretty banger. I mean, again, 
apart from the sexualization, because it's the only woman in the whole fucking film. So, of course, everyone has to be super fucking horny over her for no fucking reason. And it just really drags everything down. God damn it. Just keep it in your pants, you fucking lunatics. Uh, but good movie. Good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, that that shit's pretty bad. I liked especially when Leslie Nielsen was like, Oh, your bloody clothing, you're distracting my men, bloody cover yourself for <laughs> if you don't cover I can yourself see your ankles. Yeah. If you don't cover yourself, I'm not responsible to what happens to you. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yikes, 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 yikes. I don't alert. like this. I don't like this actually. Abort, abort. Set phases to incel. Aside from that, I agree with you. This is a this is quite good. I really enjoyed this. I'm giving it a goodie as well. Yeah, it was really fun. When the movie isn't being dumb and pervy, it's a great film. Two goodies. Four. Forbidden Planet. Don't go to that planet. Don't go to it. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Unless you ask nicely, and then we'll allow you to go to it. Yeah. But be warned, we won't take any responsibility for what happens. Exactly. Well, howdy there, it's me, Sally McSeller, and I've got a new ad from Sanjo and Zach. A few months ago, the boys did two episodes on the Cat People movies, and now on Patreon, they've got a brand new one on the 80s remake. Now, when I heard that they were doing the third part of the Cat People series on Patreon, I said, that's a bit scummy, boys, and they were like, we know, but capitalism. So I was like, well, you better give the listeners a clip so that they have a reason to go subscribe to Patreon, and here it is. It does everything that I wanted from a remake of the first one, because I like the the original as well. It does everything better in that that first one is like, if I kiss someone, I might turn to a panther. In this one, it's like, if I have a sex scene, yeah. then it will turn to a panther. And I was like, cool, you escalate it. You add like the cheesy 80s sort of shit to it. It's a little bit raunchy but also not at all because it's kind of this movie's kind of anti-horny <laughs> if you get horny watching this movie there's something wrong with you <laughs> yeah they're, they're, it's it, it is a bit like uh, a video an anti-horny video it's like if you get horny you're gonna turn into a panther and eat somebody don't get horny <laughs> yeah I've gotta say even though I disagree with the release strategy of putting the third cat people episode only on Patreon that does sound like a lot of fun and I'm gonna go over there now to patreon.com forward slash oldie but a goodie pod to check out the entire episode plus you can get ad free and early episodes of the main show yeehaw that sounds good all right let's get into some spoilerific details of this forbidden planet really examine the surface of this planet really talk about what the fuck the plot was zach what was happening in the movie what what's this about I'm glad you asked that, Sandro, because I was about to explain it. Good. Um, you were learning very kindly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm getting there. It takes a bit of programming, but I, um, I'm starting to pick up your human speak. Um, <laughs> That's right. So we start off with a uh, lovely uh, ship's interior mm. where we've got a crew of space uh goers yeah it's kind of like it's got like a mahogany kind of like golden vibe inside the spaceship you know yeah looks yeah. very nice looks what i would do with my spaceship you know oh, i was gonna say it looks like the next gen enterprise oh absolutely absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. 
But that's what I would do. I'd like a lot of mahogany on my spaceship. I don't know about you. I agree. I would like to shape my spaceship like a flying saucer. <laughs> that's what I'd like to do. Yeah! Oh, that's Pog. <laughs> I mean, uh, look, it travels through interdimensional space it does. on equal values in every direction. Yeah. So it just makes sense that it's a, it's a perfectly diamical shape. I'm talking bullshit. Um, so uh, the captain's like, "Hey, we arrived. Uh, we're we're about to arrive at a planet. Everybody, take a big take a big nap." And I like I like we get a bit of like cryogenic traversing um, through uh, light speed. Yeah, because that's been covered in a few different stories. I like how the visuals for that as well were basically just the um, the transport pads from Star Trek as well. It's like, yes, it was the transporter pads where like you beam onto a planet, except it was for cryo sleep. I was like, well, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see a bit of influence here and there for yeah. for modern sci fi things, but yeah, they all go into a, a tri- cryogenic sleep, and then they travel light speed to. The Forbidden Planet, quotation marks. Ooh, Altair IV is the name of this planet. Good old Altair IV. Um, we also get the name of their ship. It is C-57D, which is kind of a boring... It's kind of a boring ship name. CD's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, they're clearly part of, like, some government... Like, not, na- n- not Navy, not Air Force, Space Force? Um, it says in the movie that they're a part of the United Planets. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's basically like a Starfleet sort of scenario. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And they're essentially the military of the operation. Because they're all sort of, you know, soldiery-esque. They've got weapons. They're very official, very formal. You know, they've got their commander and all that. Yeah, we've got um, Leslie Nielsen as Commander John J. Adams. Uh, and then we've also got... yeah. Lieutenant Doc Ostro, and then a bunch of others. Don't forget the cook. <laughs> yeah, the cook is... Uh, what an iconic character. Incredible. I love the cook. He's so funny. If you think about it Star Trek-wise, instead of them being like an exploring ship, they are literally like a security ship Yeah, for the, the Starfleet. Yeah, and they're sent to this planet because some scientists have been uncontactable for about 20 years, basically. That's why they go in there. Yeah, they're like, hmm... It's strange. We haven't heard anything back from these people. We're going to check it out. So they light speed it over. That's my impression of light speed. That's exactly how it sounded in the film. That's impressive, That's true. Sandro. That's true. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You you must have practiced that. Um. So uh, they get to the planet and they immediately get scanned. And they're like, oh, someone's here. Mm. And uh, they hear what we know as Dr. Morbius on the line he says it's morbid time i'm gonna morb your ship if you don't if you don't tell me who you are and they're like oh we don't want to get morbed so they they they're like oh it's it's us morbius and he's like us i don't know who us is you're gonna need to explain oh he's like oh no we're we're part of uh we're part of Starfleet. Yeah. They and they they tell him their ship, uh, CD's nuts. Yeah. Um and he's like, Bloody leave, you dumb you so dumb you gotta leave. Get out of here. Yeah. Get out of here. He acts very sus. And they're like, uh, we're gonna land anyway. And then he's like, Oh well in that case, come aboard. But just be warned, 
I won't be responsible for all your deaths that are going to happen. Exactly. And I was like, whoa, whoa, all right, this is getting, this is this is starting off strong. So Morbius, uh, he's there, he's got his house, uh, a very nice looking house. The sets for everything on the planet, especially um, the electronics and like how the planet runs, all that. It just looks incredible throughout the entire movie. Absolutely. I like a uh, robot friend that uh, we introduced to. Yes, good old Robbie. Uh, he comes and greets them and they're like, what is this thing? Mm. We have space travel, but robots? That's a bit out there. Now, Robbie the, the robot, he's actually like, he, this isn't his only movie. Oh. He's in a bunch of movies. What? He's in a sci-fi film called The Invisible Boy, where ah. there's just a robot. Who is Robbie the robot? Is also in is also in the movie. Um, he shows up in like Twilight Zone a bunch of times because Twilight Zone yeah. reused all the props from previous MGM stuff. So like he's in that. He's in. Oh, that's cool. He's in Gremlins. What? He's in the background of Gremlins as well. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> background. That makes sense. It's just kind of funny how they were like, we need to find a way to make money off of this thing. And so they were like, we'll put Robbie yeah. the Robot in everything. Toys, everything, Robbie the Robot. That's that's funny that he's like in all these things because that connects all the universes. Ooh, true. What does that mean? Is Robbie the Robot a time traveler mm. or an inter-universal traveler? What's your thoughts? Well, was Robbie the Robot left on the planet at the end of the movie? Ah! Uh- I can't remember, actually. I feel like he was. So so maybe the events at the end of the movie caused Robbie the Robot to be sent through time and space. <gasps> Whoa! Mm. That'd be cool. Anyway, Dr. Morbus is like, uh, I'm morbid and sad. I'm morbid and sad, actually. Let me tell you the tragic backstory of this planet. We arrived, and we were like, this is a planet. There are a bunch of people, and we were like, look at this planet. There ain't no one on this planet. We're going to leave the planet. But then when we decided to leave the planet, an invisible force tore everyone but me and my wife limb from limb. It's like, whoa, whoa, that's a bit dark. And he's like, yeah, but don't worry about it. You can leave and not report this. Yeah. And we're like, well, you know, that's not how this is going to play out. Like immediately it's uh, like everyone's dead and he has no explanation for it yeah. i'm like that's the sussest shit i've ever heard it's pretty sus but he is dr morbus and dr morbius is the most mm. sus man there can possibly be he's so sus that he's not sus yeah he's also got a daughter and as soon as she shows up all the men are like a wooga boy are you wing let's go <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. That's the one thing that wa- wasn't in this film that I really wish was in there. More more like ca- cartoon Nickelodeon sound effects. <laughs> boing, 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 boing. Exactly. Them going, awooga. Awooga. No, 100%. I will say um, she's like... Uh, they were on the planet for 20 years, so she's probably like 19, 20. I will give the movie props for not having her be 17. <laughs> Uh, that's a low hurdle it managed to jump over i'd say i'm gonna say that's a low hurdle so immediately there's several things that i was expecting and i'm gonna throw them out here as like theories midway theories one robot goes crazy yep um because they have classic like robot with the laws of robotics yes 
and they like explain that, uh, which was kind of cute. I liked that because they're like, um, a robot, go and shoot Leslie Nielsen. And the robot, like, it starts to, like, implode, basically. It's like, I don't know what to do. And that effect was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it it's having a conundrum because it has to follow its main directives of following orders, but also not harming other humans. So you can see it's sort of like it's not dangerous. And throughout the film, it's proven that it works. It just follows its prime directive and is helpful. I was expecting Evil Robot, and the movie kind of leads you on to that sort of thing. It's like, maybe. Well, look at how strong this robot is. Yes. Look at how dangerous this robot is. Ooh. Uh, but we get a bunch of quotes, Zach, about the robot. First of all, they're like, but Robbie the robot, are you a man or a female? And Robbie the robot's like, I'm a robot. The fuck are you asking me? Yeah, that yeah, question yeah, for? yeah. Which is kind of funny. But they also show that Robbie the robot can make synthetic food, can like analyze different sorts of food and then recreate that, which, you know, that's, that is something that we saw in Star Trek just uh, Absolutely. a decade after this. But one of the men sees that Robbie the robot can do this uh, and is like, oh my, it's a housewife's dream. <laughs> Uh, and Zach, I've got, I've got a couple things to bring up here. So, first of all, this is meant to be so far in the future, right? Incredibly far in the future. Yet, there's still housewives? I'm like, it's that far in the future, but uh, we're still in 1950s society. Very interesting. Yeah. Also, yeah. one thing that was very interesting was how often they reference God in this, which, if you compare it to Star Trek... Never mentioned at all. Ah, interesting. And I found that very interesting. I was like, okay, I don't know. I think with Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry was very much like, we've got to remove all the humans. They like each other. There's no religion. There's nothing. It's just science and all the humans get along. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see because that kind of became the basis for like a futuristic utopia. So, so it's interesting to see uh, a sci-fi made before that became the regular so going going back to my theories again, yeah, I have I have a few more, but one of them works here, where it's uh, the advanced super aliens were actually humans. Classic, because they say in the movie that they were once on Earth mm. and they brought back all these species. Because there's lions, tigers, and bears oh, running right. around this planet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we only see the tigers and some deer. Yeah, that's but true. I'm sure there's the, I'm sure there's the other ones as well. Yes, but it's 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 funny because my theory is that obviously we had advanced humans. Yes, and they were on Earth at one point, but maybe Earth wasn't their original planet, and just some of them stayed, and then uh, then they went off and uh, disappeared. But they were so advanced, Dr. Morbius doesn't realize that they were humans, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, but then a bit l later on when he's showing the commander all of the machinery and stuff that the Krell have, that's their name, the Krell, he's like, but this was built for someone with a larger skull, a really big skull, an alien skull. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, maybe there's a bit of genetic engineering going on. Maybe maybe humans were evolving themselves. And it's like they were in an advanced civilization of humanoids that their bodies withered a bit, but their brains grew massively and they were super intelligent. You know, that sort of thing. And Earth was a colony of them, but it went, it went bad. 
and then they restarted civilization, but they they got pretty advanced pretty quickly, and thus you have space travel, but also housewives. <laughs> you know what? I like this theory. Uh, my other one was that he did a classic, uh, his daughter's actually a robot. Were you expecting that? Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was another one of my ones that was an, would have been an interesting twist, was his wife dies, he gets very sad. Yes. Because he's by himself, you know. Oh, uh, and so, like, he creates a daughter, yeah. Yeah, he, he goes a little cray-cray, creates daughter... And then, yeah, we discover the daughter, and the daughter's like, I want to live, I want to see the universe. And he's like, no, don't leave me. Yeah. Don't leave me like her. Oh. I have to stop you. I've turned evil, you know. I mean, that is pretty much what happens, though. Yeah. That's pretty much what happens, though, because she's she's bloody kissing all of them, but feeling nothing until she kisses Leslie Nielsen. And then she's like, oh my god, I'm in love with you, actually. Yep. Even though for most of the movie, I was like, I don't like that man. But that's the thing, Zach. She doesn't like him because she does like him. Oh! Oh. When a woman says no, it actually means yes. Exactly. Wait, no. (laughs) Oh, no. There was a point in this movie where people were, like, wolf whistling at her. I was like, fucking hell, this is is bad. Anyway, it's the only part of the movie that hasn't aged well. (laughs) Yeah, that whole thing where uh, she kisses someone and she's like... I didn't really get anything out of that. I don't know what's happening here. That was the bit where I was like, oh, maybe she's a robot and she doesn't understand kissing because she's not actually human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, then the rest of the movie happens and she's like, wait, but I actually like kissing you. And I was like, oh, well, there goes that theory. <laughs> there goes that theory out the window. But for a brief moment, I was like, oh, maybe robot though? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there's already one robot. True. The movie does just kind of like go on for a while, though, with not much happening until kind of the halfway point. Um, well, well, then we start getting some murders, some attacks. Yeah, about halfway through the movie, we start getting an invisible force murdering people aboard the ship. And we're like, oh, what's happening here? Yes, very odd, very strange. Mm. Also, the cook goes and synthesizes 60 gallons of bourbon. I liked that. Which was very funny. That was a great, that was great. movie. I liked as well how him doing that kind of let the creature kill as well, because like it kind of got past the um the force field that they set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. And yeah, they are getting murdered by an invisible creature. Obviously, the captain's upset. He blames the watch. Um, he's like, you all let a creature in, and then it's revealed later on that it's invisible, and they're like, oh, it's not actually your fault. But for the meantime, they don't know that, so he's like, you idiots, you're all getting punished. Fuck you. Uh, that's happening while Dr. Morbius is like, have a look at all this cool shit. They got this thing, you put your mind in this thing, it could fry your mind or it could double your IQ. IQ's yeah. not important, that's not a thing that's really, really important at all. But it's the, it's the 50s, so I've got a thousand IQ, I'm so smart. Well, well, <laughs> in the future, Sandro, they're actually able to calculate IQ. Oh, it's actual IQ, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, that makes not, sense. Yeah, not nowadays IQ, which is mostly pseudoscience. <laughs> of bullshit actually yeah yeah but what's interesting is so after the murders they go to the doctor and are like what the fuck is going on (laughs) yeah they break into his office they see some hieroglyphs and he's like all right all right i'll tell you what's actually going on so he reveals like a tunnel system into like an interplanetary city of like self-automated super computers and other things and it's like 
Yeah, so this planet was inhabited by the Krell, a super race of ultra-intelligent beings that all got wiped out in a thing. And I've been studying them. And, uh, yeah, when people tried to leave, everyone died. But, yeah, here's a brain machine that uh, can double your brain power, your but brain also power. will probably kill you. I'm the only human that survived it, because I'm Dr. Morbius. I'm Dr. Morbius. It's Morbin time. And I was like, hey, computer, it's Morbin time. And the computer did whatever I wanted it to do. I did like, though, how um, there's, like, a child game that the Krell have that, like, you strap your mind into. That was really fun. That was that was a good bit of sci-fi. It's like, ah, uh, yes, it's a child's test they got young children to do. Mm. I can barely do it, but children their age could do it fully, which, in, in their eyes, I would have been an idiot. <laughs> yes. He shows them a machine in which you can create anything that you think of, which is important for later. Mm. Um, he takes them into, like, this cool, like, underground pod car train track thing. That looked amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah, we are inside the underground machine, which is, like, thermonuclear shit that powers the planet, can never be turned off. It's infinite power as well. Wow. Wow. Lot of lot of big shit going on here yeah. we got we got ancient alien cities with super advanced technology with material that's practically indestructible you got some weird brain shit going on it's all happening and they're like whoa this is some nerd shit happening right here this is pretty fucking nerdy the yeah. fuck it the inside of the planet though like oh that looks sick like it looked like the death star and this is 20 years before star wars like holy shit yeah, it looks yeah, incredible yeah. It looked really good. It was some really good effects there. Uh, very cool. And there's still the mystery of why everything's getting killed. Why is there a murder happening? There is that. And then there's also Leslie Nielsen being like, Dr. Morbius, you got to give humanity this power. And Dr. Morbius is like, haven't you read 20,000 Leagues? Fuck no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been here for 20 years, and the only book I had was 20,000 Leagues <laughs> Under the Sea. So I'm going to follow this to a T. Exactly. It was, it was very... It was very um, Captain Nemo, where he's like, humanity can't use that technology. So I, because I have the authority here for some reason, I'm going to decide what technology to share with humanity when I discover it. We get a quote here where um, someone walks up to Robbie the Robot and is like, I missed you, Robbie the Robot. Where were you? And he's like, sorry, I was giving myself an oil job. I was like, bloody yeah. fuck. Oh my god, <laughs> Robbie the Robot. <laughs> Bit of an oil job. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the ending of the movie then, I guess. Yeah, so they set up a perimeter fence and some weaponry and stuff with big, like, radar detectors to detect this invisible creature when it comes. They detect it, it attacks, it gets stuck in the electric fence, and they're all firing these phases at max power. Mm. Yet... For some reason, it isn't disintegrating. Oh my and, god. And while they're firing at it, all the sparks of uh, photons and electricity are beaming around it. And we get to see sort of an outline of this strange creature. Holy fucking shit, it's incredible. This was made in the 50s? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yes, it's ca like it's a cartoon and you can tell that it's a cartoon. And it kind of looks like a Disney animated movie. But it's it's incredible. It looks amazing. It's this giant creature just bashing into the wall, and it's yeah, and it's going yeah. And I was like, holy shit! And it for a second, it reminded me of the the like 
tiger's mouth from Aladdin. <laughs> Very cool. It picks up a guy at one point as well, and the guy just like like he's actually being picked up like you don't see the wires or anything it looks very good yeah i like i like these trained armed soldiers with ranged weapons were actively running up to it so it could pick them up and kill them <laughs> that was very funny that was uh that was a very <laughs> it's like Oh my god, it's got Jeremy! Ah! And the guy charges in and it's like, why? Yep. You have a ranged weapon. If anything, back off. It's just kill the person. Yeah, so there's some very dumb red shirts that just run in and die. That's true. I mean, again, like, it's basically Star Trek. The movie's oh, kind of smart up until this point, and then it gets kind of cheesy and dumb, but then also kind of smart as well at the end. It's like... Yeah, it's pretty much what you expect from Star Trek. Uh, you know, it's equal parts smart and dumb at the same time. Absolutely. It's got good moderations of both. Yeah. So, yeah, they fight off the creature, does it? And then it, it, it like, disappears, and they're like, oh, it backed off for now. And they're like, holy shit, we were hitting that with, like, disintegration rays, but the thing was, like, molecularly restructuring itself every second. Yes, it's like, impossible to kill. what the fuck demon creature is this? Yeah. This is, this is fucking wild. So, the commander and the lieutenant go to see Dr. Morbius. He's locked himself away, so the lieutenant is like, well, I'm gonna use that IQ thing, try and make myself smarter, see if I can figure this out. Yeah, but, of course, it ends up killing him, yep. like many of the other people that used it, but... He uses his massive intellect for a few seconds to figure out what was going on. Mm. And that the subconscious mind was causing all this. And yes, no, he's like, he's very smart, but they didn't realize one thing. Monsters from the id. Mm. Which is an old word for the subconscious. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't just say subconscious, but... <laughs> Because it's cool. Monsters from the id is very cool. Monsters from the id, yeah. And then they figure it out. They're like, oh my god, what happened to the previous alien race? Yes. And what's happening now is the subconscious mind. So they have this machine that is able to project, you know, they can use it to project things that their mind constructs. And they were super advanced alien race. They had no wars. They had none of this stuff. But still subconsciously, deep down, they still had those animalistic intents of murder and revenge and anger and other things. And what happened is, perhaps for the aliens it took them thousands of years, but eventually their subconscious manifested in creatures that murdered them. Whereas us, a primitive human race... Uh, it happened pretty fucking fast. It, ha- it happened pretty instantaneously, actually, <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Morbius, it turns out, Dr. Morbius's subconscious has been murdering people because all these people, they're like, oh, we want to leave the planet. And he was like, well, I don't want to leave the planet. I disagree with you, but I'll go along with you, of course. I am outvoted here. But subconsciously, he, he's like... God, I wish a giant invisible monster would kill all these fuckers. And then a giant invisible monster came along and killed all the fuckers. Yeah. And now the giant invisible monster is coming after them. Oh my god. And Dr. Mommies is like, no, it's not true. It's impossible. Look into your heart, Luke. You know it to be true. (laughs) 
He's in he's in denial. And so Morbius and Leslie Nielsen, they do a bit of a classic Star Trek tussle, a bit of a classic Star Trek fistfight, which is just them grabbing each other. Oh, absolutely. That was really fun. Um, there's a great moment when um, Morbius is like, it's absolutely not a part of my self-conscious. Robbie the robot shoots the monster, but Robbie the robot can't shoot the monster. Aha. Oh my God. Because it goes against his programming because the monster's actually part, uh, is made from his subconscious. It's actually him. Yeah. And it's like, uh oh, the, it's funny the robot knew that. Yeah. I don't really know how that works. I, I think it's a simple case of they just didn't ask the robot. And if they had, the robot would have been like, oh, yeah, that's the subconscious of, <laughs> of Dr. Morbius. You know what? I think you're right. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, they're like, holy shit, it's coming after us now because subconsciously, he well, and consciously, Dr. Morbius is fighting with the captain. So, of course, the monster's coming. And then it's also it's also coming after the daughter because the daughter betrays him and it's like, I want to leave this planet. Exactly. It also, like, it breaks through, like, metal and shit and it's just, like, fucking, like, molten lava just pour. It looks incredible. It, it's, so, it's so impressive. And, and, and the thing is, the, the base that they're in is made out of this super metal that can't be destroyed with any weapon they know, but the monster is being powered by this planet with infinite energy. So the monster is just getting more and more energy to deal with literally any problem. So it's literally invincible. It is. The monster is indestructible. It's an indestructible weapon that will eventually kill anything it's meant to. Um, so it, it yeah, melts the the door burst into the room and he 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 literally does like a like an exorcist sort of like i deny you i deny you yeah morbius is like i denounce you i deny you entrance and then the monster just evaporates into thin air <laughs> yeah yeah not without giving a uh, good old morbius a kick in the stomach for his old troubles exactly and that is a kick in the stomach that he will feel until his dying day because he's dying right now. Yeah, like in the next five minutes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he decides to just blow up the planet because, of course, he does. Why? I don't know. <laughs> because he read Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea and the Mysterious oh, Islands. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah of course. Answer. Of course. I forgot. You got to blow up the base full of all the secrets because humanity's not meant to have this technology. I guess. I guess. Even though now you here's the thing. Now you know the problem. Was the subconscious. Just stop doing that. I mean, though, when you stop, like, it's it's a Ghostbusters scenario. If you th- try and think about nothing, uh... when you're using the machine, your subconscious will be like, giant marshmallow man. You know what I mean? Oh, we haven't talked about that either. Um, a lot of the sci-fi gadgets in this, particularly, there's, like, a locking device that they use. It's like a wheel that... You can also, like, it's on, like, a ball socket yeah. thing. So, it kind of, you know, it's, like, free-moving, and you can turn the wheel. It all looks like it's made out of fucking styrofoam. It yeah. it looks kind of fake and wobbly, but, it's yeah, it's, it's a part of the charm. And and they have, like, ray guns yep. uh, with great little laser effects. I did, like, at one point during the fight scene... They're, like, holding them like guns, but they weren't, like, holding them like they were firing. They were just, like, holding them out, and then, like, laser beams were shooting from them. Yeah, they didn't know how to (laughs) do, like, prop acting, and it was all added in post, obviously. So they're like, we'll just hold it. That's enough. Let's keep moving now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, definitely nowadays people remember to hold them like they're shooting them like guns, you know. But I, I, I thought that was just funny because at one scene, it, like the laser gun was pointing upwards and they were still shooting lasers out of it. It looked very silly. But anyway, that was just a minor thing um, because Morbius does a, a 20,000 leagues and is like, eh, I'm going to blow up the planet. Uh, you need to get out of here or you'll die. And so yeah. they leave. They leave, they get on the spaceship, they go away, and we get a realistic planet explosion. It it implodes, it turns into yeah. a white star, which I thought was pretty cool, because uh, if this was Star Wars, it would have actually exploded and it would have been dumb. Yeah, but it just popped like a weird uh, firecracker. Yep. And, and that was an interesting point I was thinking of, because if it makes infinite energy, right, mm. it's probably... That's a lot of energy. I don't know if you know this, Sandra, but infinite is a lot. That's a lot, yes. That's absolutely a lot. So I'm wondering... Um, also, it was very easy for him to make the planet implode. I mean, I guess it was just a button, a self-destruct button that they built in. Yeah, but like, imagine a civilization that's like, hmm, but what if something goes wrong? Don't worry, I've installed an implosion button that will kill everybody on this planet. Yeah. And like... David, why the fuck did you make that button? And they're like, ah, uh, don't worry, we'll put a little glass case over it. That way the kids won't accidentally press it. It is a little bit like that. And also the fact that the countdown was like an hour as well. <laughs> like you're going to evacuate the whole the whole planet in an hour. Um, hey, well, maybe the super advanced race can pack up their shit in an hour. Maybe. You know, maybe they know how to pack up. Although the bloody super aliens have bloody housewives, they take bloody forever to get ready to leave. <laughs> Am I right, women? Am I right, lads? <laughs> Ooh. To hate that. But yeah, it is a bit like that. I was thinking that as well. I was like, he just very easily blew up this entire planet. Also, if it is infinite power, does that mean that... As a star or whatever, like, is it going to turn into a sun? Is it going to be forever burning? What's what's the deal here? But I think I think the infinite power is gone. But it had a lot of residual energy, which is why it turns into a dwarf star. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, which makes sense. And then at the end of the movie, Leslie Nielsen is like, "Ah, humans will get like that in a few million years, but we will know to not do that because of Doctor Morbius." Every time we're like, we could make technology like this, we will remember Morbius and we'll be like, no, maybe we shouldn't make that movie. I mean, maybe we shouldn't make the technology <laughs> yes. for that because we humans are not gods. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's good, like, hard sci-fi that's also a dumb movie, which is what you want. Yeah, it's classic. It's a combination of really smart and really dumb. Yeah. And very fun. Yeah. And so... I think that was a good movie. And it's also only 100 minutes long, so check it out. Yeah, that's good. Go, go check it out. That's pretty good. Oh, and I did notice, I noticed this um during 20,000 Leagues as well, not so much the monster movies from last week, but uh, we're starting to get some end credits as well. Just the cast. Ooh. We're just seeing the cast, but we're starting to get some end credits, which I'm like, mm, I wonder when that switchover is going to be from credits at the start to credits at the end. I, I, I don't know what year that is. Be interesting. It will be interesting. Very curious. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The American West, a place where our character as a nation took shape, where dreams came true, where ambitions were shattered, and where legends were born. But above all, a place where ordinary people came looking for a new life and ended up doing extraordinary things. No one tells the story of the Old West better than author Rick Steber, and now there's a podcast dedicated to his stories and poems. It's called Writing the West, and in every 15-minute episode, you'll hear the stuff most history books left out, but that we can't afford to forget. If you want to hear the real stories of real people in the Old West brought to life, this is the podcast for you. Check it out on Spotify. That's Writing, W-R-I-T-I-N-G, The West, the stories and poetry of Rick Steber. All right, Zach, we're going to come up with our own bloody remake of this movie. And let me tell you what they've thought about remaking this before. They've thought about it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, James Cameron was going to do it, but he didn't. Oh. Yep. All right. I've got nothing else to say there. A guy <laughs> called J. Michael Straczynski was going to do it. He he was involved in the TV show Babylon 5. Ooh. Oh, he bloody wrote World War Z and the first Thor movie. Mm. Yep. He was going to do it. He was going to do a trilogy, Zach. A trilogy of a prequel about the Krell. So obviously that didn't, ah. get, that didn't happen, obviously. Ah, that's unfortunate. That does sound kind of good. Although, that director, though? That director, though? I think he was just going to write. Okay. Like, he's done some good stuff. I like his work on a TV show called Sense8. Uh, he wrote a bunch of, like, He-Man mm. back in the day as well, which is pretty funny. Oh, okay. That's funny. Um, I don't know. I don't think he was the right choice as well. He was also going to make it incredibly cheesy and, like, retro, which I'm like, I don't think, if we're going to remake this, I reckon we go hard, big budget, fancy sci-fi oh okay i'm picturing a dune oh in fact i want to get the director of dune the new one to do this version i'm down i'm absolutely down yeah yeah, yeah. that's a great start because i think we we could all agree that i think the latest dune really captured the gravitas yeah of the books quite well and so I think he could make the gravitas of this situation quite a bit more impactful. You know, he could really bring the zing. Yeah, no, I agree. Denny Villeneuve is his name. I think he would do a really good job. Um, mm. Hell yeah. All right. Well, we've got him as a director. Zach, let's recast this bad boy. Jared Leto is Morbius. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, I was I was thinking about what what could we do? What could we do with this movie to really uh, spice it up? Because we got our we've got our scientist who's been left on the road. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe Steve Carell. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You weren't expecting that one. I was were not you? expecting a Steve Carell. No, maybe maybe a Steve Martin. Steve Martin could do it. I was thinking Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. I could absolutely see that. He's got the hair. Yeah. You know, he's got the hair for it. 
I really like Steve Carell, though. I think that would work really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that, I wasn't expecting Steve Carell to be on my radar, but then I saw it and I was like, ooh, that could actually be pretty cool. Mm. So that's, that's for Dr. Morbius. Yeah, we've got Steve Carell for Dr. Morbius. Um, I mean, his daughter as well is a big one. I can't really... Ooh, who's a good pick for his daughter? We could go for like an Anya Taylor-Joy. She could work... Uh, yeah, yeah. She's good. She's good. Could be fun. Uh, uh, who 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 else? Who else? You know what could be interesting? You could have Emily Clark as a possible. Oh yeah, from Game of Thrones and stuff. She's always good. Yeah, from Game of Th- Yeah, she's she's good. I feel like she hasn't really been in anything great since Game of Thrones. No, no. I mean, sh- uh, she's in uh, she's in Solo, which is not very good. She's in Terminator Genesis, which is not very good. She is in Secret Invasion. Which is not very good. <laughs> yeah, like she's had a bad rap, so maybe we can pull her in for something good. Possibly the same with Sophie Turner as well. Same same sort of situation. Game of Thrones, big hit. She's a winner. And then she's moved on to getting shit on in every movie. She was uh, in the new X-Men movies as Jean Grey. Yeah, she was Jean Grey. I liked her as Jean Grey. She was great Jean Grey, shitty movies. So bad. So awful. <laughs> I, I'm thinking, here's here's my thoughts. We get both of them, because they need a break. They need something good. You get one of them to play the daughter, and one of them to play, like, the shipmate. I was thinking, yeah, like, one of them... I think we keep Commander John, but I reckon the lieutenant maybe we change to be one of them. Yeah, yeah, the lieutenant we can have... Is, I think the lieutenant would... Sophie Turner would be a great lieutenant. I was thinking that as well. I mean, she is pretty young, but also... I think that's cool. I I like that dynamic anyway. So I think Sophie Turner as the lieutenant is a good pick. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of the commander, who do we want as the commander? I do have someone in mind. Um, Jesse Plemons could be fun. He was in an episode of Black Mirror, which is basically just Star Trek. I don't know if I see him as a commander, though. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he could do it. I'm a little, I'm a little torn on that one. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's a great actor, and I would love him to be in this, but I don't think he suits the role. Oh, oh, oh. Um, who played Thanos and the guy in Deadpool? Uh, uh Josh Brolin. Yeah, Josh Brolin. He's a very stern actor, you know. That'd be a very stern captain, bit of an older captain. He would be a good captain. I quite like him as a captain, actually. That's a pretty good vibe. Yeah. Because uh, he was he was good in June as well. Yeah, he was... Was he Gurney Halleck or something? He's also in um Sicario, which is kind of like a, a drug enforcement movie directed by the guy who did direct Dune. So that, you know, mm. that works. That works. I'm flipping the script on you. What about Eddie Murphy? No! <laughs> <laughs> What about Eddie Murphy as the voice of the robot? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Get get Eddie Murphy as, as the fucking robot. Fuck yeah. Because I wanted someone to be the voice of the robot, but I was like, who would be good? David Tennant, as we have seen in Ahsoka recently. Oh, I would love David Tennant. He's good. I think Eddie Murphy as the voice would be pretty funny. Eddie Murphy is pretty good as well. I do like the idea we go David Tennant, but we say use your normal accent. Mm-hmm. What about Matt Smith as the commander? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I could see it. Like, he's in Morbius. As a, he's also someone who needs a break. Like, he hasn't. Yeah, He's yeah. in the Game of Thrones prequel. He's really good in that. He's got, like, strong commander vibes that I think could be really fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Michael Keaton as well. That could be a good one as well. He would be a good Dr. Morbius. 
Oh, he would be a great Morbius. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God damn it, Michael Keaton. Why are you such a good actor? He would be a very funny Dr. Morbius, actually. Okay. Maybe maybe we have Michael Keaton as Morbius. Yeah. And then we put Steve Carell to play someone else. The chef. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could be the chef. Yeah. Bit of a goofball. He's a bit of an old salt sailor sort of character, mm, right? Exactly, yeah. We could go for it. Instead of like the young, irresponsible chef that we get, yeah. we get an older, doesn't give a shit sort of chef. Ooh. And the reason he gets all the alcohol is like, I don't give a shit what the captain says. I'm going to get this fucking alcohol. Man, Michael Keaton is Dr. Morbius. Matt Smith is the commander. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. And that's the whole episode. Bloody done for Forbidden Planet. Thank you so much for listening. What a what a good movie. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you for hanging out. Thanks for being cool and listening to the podcast. And thanks for reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. That helps get the show out in front of uh, brand new people's ears and noses and eyes, I guess, as well. That, that as well. If you like listening to this, uh, let us know. Write a comment. Yeah. Tell your friends. Yeah. Do all the things. If you didn't like us, write a comment. Tell your friends. Exactly. Both of those things will still help our algorithmic uh, possibilities. Um, so do it. They will indeed. Um, we also have a Patreon. If you've got some spare dollars hanging around, don't know where to put them, we'll bloody take them. Call us Robbie the Robot because we'll take those coins. Don't know what that means. <laughs> and up there right now is a review of a remake that we reviewed Ooh. called Cat People because we did uh, the originals from the 40s. Here on the show. Oh, yes. Ooh. A meow. Meow, indeed. A remake I really enjoyed. And Zach has some words that he said about it. I certainly said some things. Yes. That's up there right now. But on Wednesday, it's been a few months, but we're finally back into it. After a long break, we're doing another Friday the 13th. Number five, A New Beginning. A new beginning, but I thought it ended with the last movie. It was literally called The Ending, Sandra. Yeah, well, they're back, and they're doing another one, and let me tell you, there's teens getting murdered. What? Spoiler, Sandra. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, Friday the 13th 5, definitely um, one that uh, the fans of the series have thoughts about. Bad thoughts. Pretty pretty bad one. <laughs> it's a pretty it's bad pretty one. Pretty bad movie. <laughs> yeah, that's up there right now. There's links in the episode description to all of that. Zach, I go pick uh, the next episode, which is the last episode before we go in a little break for the start of October. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's let's see what we'll be cooking up for this break, shall we? 1957. The Seventh Seal. Oh, now that's a movie I've always wanted to watch. Mmm. When. When disillusioned Swedish knight Antonius Block mm. uh, returns home from the Crusades to find his country in the grips of the Black Death, he challenges death yes. to a chess match for his life. I have always what? wanted to watch this. It's con it's like one of those classic art house films from the fifties that everyone's like, "You gotta watch this. You gotta watch this movie." I've always wanted to watch it, and that is a high contender for what I'm gonna pick. Another high contender: Absolutely. Twelve Angry Men. Ooh, don't know if you heard of that one. It's um Twelve Angry Men. They're on the jury for a murder trial, and the whole film is them discussing. Seen the trial. That's the whole movie. Uh huh, Sandro. But what about Jailhouse Rock? Oh, fucking Elvis! His Elvis has uh, entered the building. Oh, he's entered jail. 
Yep. But what about Stanley Kubrick's Paths of Glory? Ooh. Classic World War One war film. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that would be... I feel like that's going to lower the tone of the podcast a bit too much. Yeah. I mean, we did do an episode on Stanley Kubrick's uh, Full Metal Jacket as well. So I feel like we've already kind of covered that world already. That's true. And that was pretty good. That was pretty good, actually. Uh, What about Throne of Blood? Oh, what's that? Returning to their Lord's Castle, samurai warriors are waylaid by a spirit who predicts their futures. When their first part of the spirit's prophecy comes true, Washizu's scheming wife presents him to speed up the rest of the spirit's prophecy by murdering his lord and usurping his place. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's just Macbeth, but it's by Kurosawa. Yeah. Kurosawa Macbeth. I want to fucking watch that. Hell yeah. It looks great. It does look really great, actually. But Zach, no. No. I'm not picking any of those, Zach. I am so tempted to pick a good movie. But Zach, I'm not going to pick a good movie. Oh! In fact, I'm going to pick what many consider to be the first So Bad It's Good movie. Uh Uh-oh. Now, Zach, in 1957, it was the premiere of a movie by a director called Mr. Ed Wood. (laughs) Uh, He made a film called Plan 9 from Outer Space, which is a science fiction horror film that uh, is considered to be one of the worst movies ever made. (laughs) Yeah, we've been having a run of good movies. It's time to really get back into the the nitty-gritty, as it were. Back into the depths of why we're really here. Exactly. This is a film that I've never seen. I know so much about it, but I've never actually watched it. Um, Edward, he was played by Johnny Depp in the movie Edward by Tim Burton. It's a great movie. Uh, Highly recommend it. And that goes so in-depth about the making of this film. So I really want to... I, re- I really want to actually watch this. Plan 9 from Outer Space, also known as Grave Robbers from Outer Space. <laughs> oh, oh, that's pretty good. I like I like the sound of that. I'm picking that even though there's like five to ten great films that I could pick from that. Absolutely. I can support this endeavor. You're, you're, what you're doing is you're pulling a Zack, you know, just picking the shittiest movie possible. Well, I'm going to... I'm going to leave you stuck in the submarine next to Atlantis, which we've ignored for this whole podcast. What's that deal with Atlantis, by the way? What's that whole thing? Uh, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of like, influencers wanted their own city, so they sent a city back to the past, but it went underwater. Oh, no wonder it fucking sunk into the water. It was made by influencers. That makes so much more sense. It was made by the Paul brothers. In fact, some say... That the very last cans of caffeinated prime are there in that sunken city. <laughs> That's funny. That's very funny. The lost prime of Atlantis. The lost prime. <laughs> An, an energy drink so caffeinated it is illegal in Australia. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm going to leave you with Jared Leto. Have fun with that. Oh, God. All right. Bye. Like <laughs> a pow, I'm punching you, Jared Leto. Oh, ow! What the fuck was that for? Oh. Sorry, I just saw your face and I knew that I had to punch it real quick. Oh, that's my one weakness, actually. Being punched in the face. I've never had any repercussions for my actions before. Oh, I'm dying. I'm punching you again. Oh my god, I've killed him. Oh no. Uh, let me. Uh, I'm just gonna open the airlock. There we go. I'm just gonna drag the body out and just, just, just shove him there. Man, I would have loved to explore Atlantis, learn the secrets of this lost empire, maybe get some prime, try it out, but uh. 
Ah, uh, Jared Leto's dead body is there now, and I don't want to be tied to that crime, so I'm going to pilot the ship away. Sacre bleu! You've murdered Jared Leto! I have indeed. Ah, uh, it seems like a positive. Yeah. Seems like a positive. Uh, it seems like it only, you know, improved the situation. Yeah. We should get out of here, though. Otherwise, you know... The automatic police will come after us and arrest us. We, do, we don't want that to happen. Uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. What's that sound? It sounds like the siren. A siren that can only belong to the space and time police. Oh, my God. And a... Oh, my God. That was a plate smashing. I think the monkey's in the kitchen. Oh, One second. God damn it, monkey. Monkey.